Revelation chapter 13, and we're going to see if I can get all the way down to chapter 16 today. So, all right, let's get started. Revelation chapter 13, we're going to read all the verses 1 through 18, and then we'll give you some keys to Revelation 13. All right. And it says, then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And on his horns, ten crowns and on his heads, a blasphemous name. And we'll deal with the blasphemous name. Now, the beast, which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne and great authority. And we said from Revelation chapter 12, the dragon refers to Satan, right? Dragon is one of the names of Satan. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast who was able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for, oh, there's that three and a half year period again, 42 months. Got it? Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme him, his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. But those who dwelt in heaven didn't care what he had to say, didn't hurt them. Sticks and stones could break, you know, but there were his words couldn't hurt them. They was already taken care of. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. What saints was he making war with? The ones who hadn't gotten out um, when the getting was good. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. So if there's patience and faith and saints, not everybody was going with the beast, are they? Somebody has decided to go the hard road and they are, they are enduring hardness as good soldiers. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Interesting symbolism there. And he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence and cause and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. But these are lying signs and wonders. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth. That's why we know that they're lying signs and wonders. By those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should, should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads, 
and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six, 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 six hundred and sixty-six. All right. Okay. So um, eight keys to Revelation 13. Um, number one, remember, this is this, this first point is one from our previous statement. Remember, one of our critical eight critical perspective on end time events. Satan has always wanted to assume the place of God, whether in heaven and on earth throughout history, that will not change. Okay. Right. That's an important point because oftentimes what we'll see is Satan trying to do identity theft. He is a thief but he's always trying to steal identity as well. He's not only trying to steal your stuff, he's trying to steal identity. What, what, did, what did Lucifer say in the beginning? I will be like the most high, okay? And so what we'll see when you start to look at these three, um, the dragon, the beast, and then the second beast, then you'll see some things that's like God or where he's trying to be God-like. Okay, look at number two, says, during the tribulation period, Satan selects a man of sin, a man of sin. That's the, that's the way it describes him in 2 Thessalonians, calls the Antichrist, the man of sin, out of the sea of humanity. So that sea there was not just a figurative, a person rising up out of the water like Aquaman. It was actually describing someone coming out of the sea of humanity. All right. So the Antichrist is not superhuman. He was not born of a virgin. OK, if you've watched, uh, you know, any of the Damien Omen three movies and all of that. Okay, that's just Hollywood. Let's just leave all of that stuff in Hollywood, all right? He is a person. Um, now, let's go back to the second part of number two. Like Christ has many names, so the Antichrist does also. We're going to see that he's called the, the man of sin in 2 Thessalonians. He's called the son of perdition. I'll show you that one of his names in Daniel is the little horn, all right? Now, one of his names is the beast. OK, and so he's called the beast. All right. And it talks about taking the mark of the beast is talking about the mark of this person. Now, the, the last part of number two says, as Christ's name is holy. So the Antichrist name is blasphemous, the actual opposite of holy. His name is a cuss word. <laughs> All right. His name is blasphemy. Right. That's what verse one of chapter 13 says. Now, let's look at number three and then we'll have a scripture we'll talk to. Number three says, as stated in Revelation 12, the beast also refers to a system of nations and governments which the Antichrist directly rules, represented by seven heads and ten crowns. All right. So let's just talk about this one for a second. Since. Um, Jesus 
the Christ. Remember, we showed you when we were doing our pre our pre development before we started into the book of Revelation. We talked about the fact that Jesus. Um, there were these five types of Jesus in the Old Testament, that he was the last Adam, the prophet like Moses. He was the priest after Ormel Melchizedek. He is um, the seed of Abraham. He is the king that sits on the throne of David. But for each one of the types of Christ, then there was a type of the Antichrist. If 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 Jesus Christ is the last Adam, then the Antichrist is the serpent. Right. There was always that. If he's that prophet like Moses, then the Antichrist has to be that one like Pharaoh. Right now, that makes sense because the two witnesses died in a place that was spiritually called Egypt. So Pharaoh was doing his thing. Wanting worship because they worship Pharaoh in ancient Egypt like he was God on earth. All right. Now, one of those types of Jesus uh, is that Jesus is a king sitting on a throne in the new Jerusalem, just like David sat on the throne of Jerusalem. So Jesus sits on the throne in New Jerusalem. Everybody got that? Yeah. Okay. Well, what is the opposite of that? Just like Nebuchadnezzar sat on the throne of Babylon. Got it? Then the beast sits on the throne of mystery Babylon. Right? Now I'm, I won't get to mystery Babylon. We'll see more on that in chapter 17. But what did, what did, what did Nebuchadnezzar say? I'm going to build a golden image and all my people are going to come and they're either going to bow down to this golden image or they're going to get thrown into the fire. Right. OK. We talked about Sadrach, Meshach and that bad Negro. OK. Yes. <laughs> all right. So so everybody knows that. But what they didn't realize is that, that was just a type of what was going to happen here when an image was built and people would either worship the image, right, or be killed. And so um, what we see is that that's a back to the future thing, okay? Now, because Daniel served the person who was a type and shadow of the Antichrist, not only, don't only think about that one, what about the time when they told Daniel, the law was written that for the next 30 days, you can't pray to any other person but the king or you get thrown into the lion's den. You see, in all of those types and shadows, there was some kind of worship under threat of death. Worship or death. Worship or death. Wasn't that? OK. And so because Daniel served the type and shadow of the Antichrist, number one, and because he was prophet to the Israel concerning the end times, number two, he was given prophetic insight into the beast, both the person and the system, both the person of the beast and the system by which the beast rule. Jesus rules by a system too. He rules by a system of the new Jerusalem. That's why when you get saved, your name has to be written in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. 
you become a citizen in heaven. Right. There, there are no undocumented aliens in heaven. Hallelujah. Everybody. Right. You got to get signed in to be there. So he rules from a system. Well, Satan trying to be like God creates a system so that his man can rule, too. Now, let's look at Daniel chapter seven. We're going to read some of this and then we'll speed up from here. But this is important because. We're really dealing with the person of the Antichrist. So I want to make sure that I tie, I string it all together. <clears throat> Daniel chapter seven, we'll read verses one through 14, then 19 through 26. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion, had eagle's wings. I watched till his wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it was raised up on his side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said to, thus to it, arise, devour much flesh. After this, I saw I looked and there was another like a leopard, which had on his back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. After that, this I saw in the night visions and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceeding strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, trampling the residue with his feet. It was different from all. The beast that were before it, it had 10 horns. It had 10 horns. I was considering the horns and there was another horn, a little one coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by its roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and mouth speaking pompous or blasphemous words. OK, so the little horn there on this beast system is the Antichrist, all right? Now, if there were 10 horns and three were devoured, seven are left, right? So we saw about the seven, the seven heads and the 10 crowns, right? So that, that, is the, that is a prefigure that this, this little horn is a man of conquest or war because he's going to war and will destroy three of the nations to take dominion over him and then rule from the last seven. All right. Um, verse nine, I watched till the thrones are put in place and the ancient of days, that's God the father, was seated. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him a thousand thousands ministered to him 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him the courts the court was seated and the books were open okay now he's holding court he's going to judge all of the things that are happening i watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking i watched till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame so some people said, I, I read the back of the book, we win. I read Daniel and we win. <laughs> okay, I didn't even have to go to the back of the book. Daniel knew that even though the enemy was going to do this, that in the end, God wins. Okay. 
Verse 12, as for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Oh, there's Jesus. Right. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. All right. Then to him, Jesus was given dominion and glory and the kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. All right. Now, of course, that's what we know about Jesus, isn't it? Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth. Ancient of days. Hallelujah. Just going way back for those that remember that song. All right. Let's get down to verse 19. Then I wished to know the truth about the fourth beast, which is different from all the other beasts, exceeding dreadful with its teeth of iron, its nails of bronze, which devoured broken pieces, trampled the residue with its feet and the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous or blasphemous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching and the same horn was making war against saints, against the saints and prevailing against them. What saints is he talking about? Saints, people that come to know and acknowledge Jesus during that period when that beast is here. Right. You don't want to be one of them. You don't have to be one of them either. OK, I'm just saying. All right. Um, prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the most high. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. So even people that are going through this period, those that choose to. To endure to the end will be saved. That's that's what the scripture tells you. But they took they took the hard road. You didn't have to do that. I'm just saying. Verse 23, thus, he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth. OK, so now notice the picture. There is a beast system and then there is a little horn that is the beast himself. See those two pictures? There's a beast system in Daniel's in Daniel's prophetic picture. There was a beast system and a horn, a little horn that was representing a person. The, the beast here represents a kingdom and then the little horn represents the person. Got it? OK. Just want to make sure we we got all of the pictures here. All right. Verse 23, he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth, trample it and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from that kingdom. Another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first one and shall subdue three kings. That's why he had the seven heads still remaining. Right. He shall speak pompous words against the most high, shall persecute the saints of the most high, shall intend to change times and laws. Right now, let's talk about the changing of times and laws. Remember, in when Nebuchadnezzar, he wrote a law and he decreed that if you didn't bow before the golden image, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you'll be cast into the fiery furnace. And then his predecessor said, or his successor said to Daniel, if you pray to any other God, I'm going to throw you in the lion's den. There's always this prayer worship thing that was wanted under threat of death. 
It was never a freedom to worship. It was a threat if you didn't. Changing laws and times. All right. Um, verse 25, part B says, then the saints shall be given into his hands for a time, times and half a time. There's that three and a half years again. Time, times and half a time. Three and a half years keeps showing up, doesn't it? But the court shall be seated and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. All right. Now, the saints that Daniel sees is not us. If we're ready, um, but those of his people who resist the Antichrist, like the three Hebrew boys resisted Nebuchadnezzar, and like he resisted the command not to pray, like Daniel resisted the command not to pray to any other God, um, save the king under threat of death. All right. So we, we just want to make sure that's our back to the future revelation. We want to see the types in scripture of how this antichrist would operate. All right. Now look at number number four on our big list. It says to imitate Christ. Satan also imitates his death and resurrection, but it's not the real deal. He talks about a mortal wound that was healed. Well, remember. Satan has no power to raise the dead. Jesus has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. But he, he, he clearly is, the symbolism is what he's trying to go for, isn't he? I got a mortal wound. It was healed. That's not the, to say you was almost dead is not the same thing as saying you was dead and was raised from the dead. All right? But clearly the symbolism is him trying to make this person like Jesus Christ. Number five, note that the period of the Antichrist rule is that three and a half year period again. We saw it in Daniel. We saw it here. This, this scripture says 42 months in, in, uh, um, in Revelation chapter 13, right? Um, during this period, he works to dominate the earth and receive all worship from the world. However, many resist and they suffer consequences. That's why it says you got to know the faith and patience of the saints. They're going to have to endure to get through it, right? Daniel and them didn't, um, the three Hebrew boys almost made it like, okay, whether you, whether you want us to, we're not going to worship you. If you say not, we're still not going to worship you. Somebody going to have to be bold enough and tell, tell the Antichrist, no, no, I'm not doing it. And clearly, there will be people who do, and we'll see that from the scripture. All right. Um, number six. All right. So we got one like that wants to be like God the Father. That's the dragon. We got one that likes wants to be like God the Son, the Christ, who is the anti-Christ. Then we have to have someone that is trying to be like God, the Holy Spirit, to complete the satanic trinity, don't we? All right. So number six says to complete the satanic trinity, Satan, the dragon must have someone who serves like the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the Holy Spirit does? Let's just talk about what John says about the Holy Spirit and we'll come back and, and deal with our list. The Holy Spirit doesn't testify of himself. He testifies of Jesus. The Holy Spirit 
doesn't really draw worship to himself. The scripture says, worship God. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He, he, he pours worship on the son. He brings back to your remembrance the thing that Jesus said, didn't he? No one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit draw him to say it. Okay, so this third beast, the scripture calls him and he's known as the false prophet, doesn't draw worship to himself. He draws worship to the Antichrist. Do you see how he's functioning? Right. He's trying to get people to worship the Antichrist. He's. But he he has he looks like a lamb. Right. Looks like a lamb, which means um, what is the lamb? The lamb is a symbol of worship of the lamb. Right. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, the lamb of God that takes. So he seems like a religious figure, but he speaks like the dragon. OK, he is a false prophet. All right. So let's go back. We just want to make sure pastor just slowing down on this part, because if you got this, we can move fast. Um, all right. So to complete the satanic trinity, Satan, the dragon must also have someone who serves like the Holy Spirit to drive worship to the Antichrist and his image. He is the false prophet. Number seven, further, the Antichrist and false prophet control commerce through this period, through giving a mark of the beast. You know, that was that was even an issue in Jesus day. Jesus. Is it lawful. To 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 give tribute to pay taxes to Caesar, give me a coin whose image is on the coin. Didn't Jesus ask him that? When they asked, when they asked him the question, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar? Whose image is on the coin? Give unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. Give unto God the thing that belongs to God. The thing is, his Caesar's image was on the coin. If you take the beast's image, his mark, then his image is on you. You belong to him. If you worship him or you take his mark, then you have allowed his image to be in you. And there are eternal consequences to that, according to scripture. Amen. Amen. All right. Number eight, the number of the beast represents humanity in Trinity. So he says the wisdom of it is the number of a man. Why is it the number of a man? Because Adam, man, was created on the sixth day. So um, the Antichrist is the sum of man trying to be his own God. Yeah, the Antichrist. Well, only God can judge me. That shouldn't make you feel all good. I mean, you getting you feel too good about that. And your life doesn't hold up to that standard like only God can judge me. Or, 
most people say that, that that means they don't want somebody else to get in their business. That's really what they're saying. Um, but we have to be careful that we don't set up a system where we are our own God. Now, I believe that we're in God's image and God created us in his image and likeness to be little G. But we don't supposed to worship this the little G. We're supposed to all be worshiping big G. Amen. OK, I mean, and I can I can appreciate you. I will say thank you all day. I don't mind saying thank you because I can thank you for participating in God's process. But the worship, I can even praise you because you do something. Man, you know, that was good. You know, I'm, as a parent, I want to be a good parent. I want to praise my children and, you know, make sure that they know how much I appreciate them, how much loved and valued they are. But the worship. To put as deity that I yield to, I don't do that for me. I don't want to do that for my, my wife. I don't want her to do it for me because I have no heaven. I have no hell. I don't do it for the dollar. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. So I don't go to work for the almighty dollar because the dollar is not almighty. China debases its currency and we lose here. So the dollar clearly isn't almighty on the currencies on the planet, right? And it's certainly not something to be worshipped, okay? We want to make sure, Pastor, why are you spending so much time on this? Because this is something happening in the future. What? No, no. First John tells us that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. Now, this, this man of sin may not have gotten here, but the spirit of the Antichrist has already been here for a long time. The spirit, the spirit of Antichrist goes back to the garden with the serpent. Okay, so spirit of Antichrist has been on the planet a lot of years. Amen? So then we have to make sure that we find where that spirit is operating and resist it in, in all of its doings. Amen? All right, let's go on to Revelation chapter 14. Did y'all get something out of 13? Amen. Revelation 14. Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion. There's a revelation of who Jesus Christ. He's a lamb standing on Mount Zion. With him, 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder, and I heard the sound of harpists playing with their harps. There's, there are musical instruments in heaven, in Jesus' name. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 40 and 4,000 who were redeemed from the earth. So when they finished their ministry, remember, they got sealed and they got caught out. So the Antichrist and all of this stuff didn't affect them because of their specific ministry. Um, where am I at? 44,000 that's in the earth. Thank you. Verse four. These are the ones who were defiled, who were not defiled with women for they were, they're virgins. They had a special ministry, so they weren't given to family, um, relationships. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits to God and to the lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Verse six says, then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue and people, saying with a loud voice 
Fear God and give him glory for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. So even in the end, even in this period where the Antichrist is doing his best, they're getting angelic interference. Got it? Verse eight. And another angel follows saying Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself also shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So some people are going to hear that, believe and be like, hold up. It's bad, but I'm rather I'd rather go through this pain now than to deal with that for eternity. Amen. Then verse 13 says, then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, right. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Then I looked and behold, a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man. Another revelation of Jesus Christ having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he he who sat on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire, and he cried with a loud cry, to him who had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in your sickle, sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vines of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trampled outside the city, the city of Jerusalem. And the blood came out of the wine press up to the horse's bridle for about 1,000 600 furlongs, and people say that's about um, 200 miles. So there's a lot of blood there up to where a horse would ride. And horses tend to ride kind of high because horses tend to be tall, right? There was a lot of blood there. Okay. All right. Eight, um, eight keys from Revelation 14. Number one, having completed their earthly ministry with the seal of protection from the Antichrist, God translate the 144,000 Israeli evangelists to heaven. We talked about them. I think it was chapter seven. These number two, these 144,000 are the first fruits of the restoration of national Israel. Right. It's called them first fruits. Let's look at Romans 11. We talked about Romans 11 before, but I'm just going to read verses 14 through 16 for Romans 11. And it says. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what is their acceptance be? What would their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first root is holy, the lump also is holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So 
when when God's coming back to deal with national Israel, these 144,000 that'll be in this period will have an Elisha type ministry and they will be going out ministering with signs and wonders and reaching back to national Israel to get them saved. They're the first fruit. They'll be caught up. And then the rest of the lump that God restores will be also saved because of their ministry. Somebody say amen. Number three, during this period of Antichrist rule, angels are loose to warn humanity to take the hard road of tribulation rather than submit to the Antichrist and take his mark. It must be a temptation. So God's going to give you somebody to tell you, listen, don't do it. Don't do it. I know. I know it seems like it'll be all right if you just do this. It would be to your best interest to not take his mark. Because then you'll be identified with Satan permanently. Got it? All right. Number four. Many will hear and believe and get saved awaiting the return of Jesus for them. That's why it says this is the faith and patience of the saints. So some will have to endure. And Daniel talked about the fact that they will be overcome until the end of this period. Right. Um, number five. The angels also deal with the fall of mystery Babylon. And we'll talk about that some more in Revelation chapter 17. All right. So just hold that thought. Six saints in that time and in ours must resist both the spirit of Antichrist. We must resist the spirit of Antichrist now and they will have to resist the literal Antichrist then. All right. So one of the things if I do another volume, I'll, I'll just do a study on everything, just like you can do a study on all the names of Jesus. Right. You could do a similar study on all the names of the Antichrist so that you would know what you should be resisting. All right. One of the things that the Antichrist um, Daniel says in one place, the Antichrist doesn't have any love for women. I'm just saying it's there. Okay, so same sex as Antichrist. I just don't know how else to say that. Okay, it just is. So there are things that are already present because the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world that we should be resisting. And we need to know that and resist it. Amen. Amen. Number seven, Jesus begins the preparation for the battle of Armageddon. That's when it talks about gathering the cluster of grapes together so that they can be reaped. In other words, just like a, um, a grape farmer who has a wine press, they don't just crush a grape one alone. They grab them all together and then they put them in a common place. You know, in the old wine press, they take their shoes off. You go to the, the wineries and then you stump on them. That's the symbolism here. You stump on them until the blood of the grape comes out. Right. It's called the blood of the grape. Take drink. This is my blood. He wasn't saying, you know, we're not we're not cannibals. He was talking about the blood of a grape being symbolic. But that's the picture that's here. It's talking about the wine press of his wrath, the cup of his indignation. All right. So they're being um, Jesus begins the preparation for the battle of Armageddon, where he brings will bring judgments on the whole earth. Number eight, the gathering of nations and armies will result in much bloodshed in those who oppose Christ. All right. 
Chapter 15 is a shorter chapter. I only got five keys to it. We're making really good time. It's going a lot faster than what I anticipated. Okay, but praise the Lord. Um, chapter 15. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Right? God's shooting his final shot, final minutes. Verse 2. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. So everybody's not getting taken down, or John wouldn't have seen a number of people standing up like this, would he? Okay. Even when Satan is shooting his best, best shot, He's still losing. All right. Um, verse three, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and the lamb. Now, why would they be singing the song of Moses? Why would they be singing the song of Moses? Unless the Antichrist must be like Pharaoh that Moses faced. Oh, they sung a song, didn't they? Pharaoh and his army done drown in the Red Sea. Oh, yeah. OK. Oh, Mary. No, Mary wasn't there. I know that's that's a song <laughs> to my multicultural audience. There's a song that puts somehow the Pharaoh with Mary. But that's not true. OK, that's just there's just some gospel music. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, but they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, great and marvelous are your works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was open. And out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Um, There is a scripture in, in one of the books of Thessalonians, because the Thessalonian book, you should read um, in your own time. Um, God considers it a righteous thing to give tribulation to people who've troubled you. Now, you can't get, he doesn't consider it right for you to get mad with him and try to get even. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will recompense. I will repay. But when he comes time and he's done. Because see, like God will have you go through stuff, let people hurt you. And and command that you forgive them and act right, even when they act and wrong to give them a chance to repent. 
Got it? But after a while, God get tired and be like, okay, now enough's enough. I've given you a space. And when he comes to handle it, he comes to handle it. The scripture says it this way of Pharaoh, I raised Pharaoh up. I gave him a seat of prominence so that I could show my power in him. In other words, I raised him up for the purpose of taking him down. I raised him up to take him out. That's what he said. And so in, 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 in the Thessalonians, it says God considered, considers it a righteous thing to recompense evil against those that trouble you. See, you know, there are nations now, we haven't had too much of it here in this country, but there are nations that persecute Christians for sport. You know, don't think that you're not getting away with that. that that's not like going unnoticed. This nation... You know, they okay, you you think you think you can get away. You know, I, I read um uh, that there was this black man and his family, international executive, pharmaceutical company, big one, one that you hear on TV, in his neighborhood, really fancy, came back to the country, been out of the country since 2013, crossed the yellow line, didn't do nothing crazy, just you know, your car is turning. Sometimes you go over the line. Anybody ever did that? And then this rookie cop came, drew down on him, arrested him. This can't be your neighborhood. You must be one of the burglars here in front of his house. Why did you pull in here? Why didn't you stop on the street in front of his house? And his daughter was in the back telling him, Dad, I can't lose you. See, people don't understand. Like, I deal with people and I work with people and they just they don't know. They don't know what it's like when I drive my car. They don't they think it's like them. It's not. I've been pulled over driving while black. I've had somebody and I know how not to escalate stuff. But I've had a white cop talk to me trying to incite me to do something. But don't think you're getting away with that stuff. They thought they was getting away with um, enslaving my ancestors. But then people was praying, go down, Moses, way down to Egypt land. Tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. And the Civil War, there was more white blood shed in the Civil War than all the other wars put together. That was a judgment on this country. Their blood was shed because they had been shedding blood. So if that blood was shed in response to people crying out to God, what happens when I cry out to God and tell them my black life matter, even though I'm dealing with a policeman? Oh, yeah, God's going to deal with us, too. Don't You're not getting away with it. I don't care who you got in the White House, but that's a story for a different day. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Five keys. That was not in my notes. Praise the Lord. But I pray bless you. Five keys to Revelation 15. Number one, angels prepare for the judgment of the seven plagues, completing the wrath of God. Number two, 
the sea of glass mingled with fire represents the purified church, right? The purified church is the church without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. But they're on a whole other class. They're a sea of glass, right? In other words, they're a sea, which means there's a mass of us, but glass means we're pure. Mingled with fire, which means we've, we've, we've been refined and we have the fire of the Holy Spirit. Got it? We are seen worshiping alongside those who have suffered through the tribulation period, but overcame. So Satan's shooting his best shot, but somebody is saying, nope, I ain't going with you. Number three, note that they sing the song of Moses and the lamb. The Antichrist being a prefigure, being prefigured by the Moses, the Pharaoh Moses faced and God passing over and delivering his people. Just like Pharaoh had these, right? Pharaoh had plagues, didn't he? Moses brought down plagues, just like, just like the two witnesses that we talked about in, in the previous chapters. Pharaoh, um, just like the two witnesses withstand Pharaoh, it was just like the two witnesses withstand the Antichrist and the false prophets, so Moses and Aaron withstood Pharaoh. Right now, just like Pharaoh had magicians. Remember, Moses threw down his rod and it became a snake. Pharaoh had Jannies and Jambres was the name of his magicians. They threw down their rod and it became a snake, too. They could do they could do um, lying signs and wonders, couldn't they? Scriptures tell you they could. All right. But they still were resisted. Number four. This is, is a further reference to the salvation of national Israel through the 144 evangelists, 144,000 evangelists and the two witnesses who are like Moses and Aaron bringing plagues on the Antichrist. And then finally, number five, as the angels emerge from the temple of God in heaven with the seven last plagues, the glory of God fills the temple. That's one of the reasons why I told you that um, God considers it a righteous thing to bring judgment on those that trouble you. All right. But you can't get your, like you not. <laughs> let me help you. Um, you can't stay holy and try to get revenge. That's not your job. But God can. He, he can he can split the difference. If I try to do it in my own, I, I'm going I'm I'm to get in my flesh. I'm going to start hating you. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I just have to, I have to forgive you. Now, I'm not, I, I don't mean I have to take everything you putting down. But I, I had to be careful because if I, if I allow myself, I will allow my heart to get messed up with your mess. Remember what Apostle Williams said, God, God runs on love. So you got to run on the same thing. God runs on forgiveness. You got to run on the same. Father, forgive me. They don't know what they're doing. Okay. 
So you have to run on the same thing, but he can get vengeance and he doesn't even like he can love you and, and, and be vengeful against the people that can't come against you. I stay out of that. That's God's business. That's above my pay grade. All right. Because he tells me to love my enemies. Pray for them that persecute me. Do good to them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That's my job. I let him worry about taking care of them. But I do remind him, um, God, this one's getting kind of old to me. Is it getting old to you yet? <laughs> Every once in a while, I just pour out your heart before the Lord. Pour out your complaint. So I'm like, Lord, I know you're going to make me forgive him, but I just want you to know I'm getting kind of tired of this. All right, just so you and I know where I am. Now, how you deal with it, I'm just trusting you're going to do your job. But because you do, you, you know, you've never not failed to do everything that you said you were. So I know you got this one. I just want you to know I'm kind of tired of it. And if you're ready, I'm ready for you, too. But just just so you know. OK, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, let's look at uh, Revelation 16. This is our last one for today. says, then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Lord, the oceans and the rivers and every well and every spring. Woo. And I heard the angel of the water saying, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, there is some judgment that goes with, like, people who sin and don't repent. Now, if you repent, then you can get out. But I'm just saying, some people ain't repenting. All right, I'm just telling you, preview of coming attractions. Verse seven, and I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So God's saying this is the true thing and it's the right thing to do when he judges this way. Verse eight, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and power was given to him to scorch men with fire and men were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of God who had power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory. But that's what that's what Pharaoh did, didn't he? Pharaoh hardened his heart when the plagues came down. All right. Verse five. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness. But even darkness was painful and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. Oh, Lord, it's dark and it's still painful. Verse 11, 
They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Verse 12, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its waters was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the, of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Verse 15 is in red letters um, in my Bible. And it says, so this is Jesus speaking. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Again, not everybody is going with the predominant program of that time. Right. Verse 16. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as has not occurred since men were on the earth. So this is the greatest earthquake that will ever be. That's what that just said, isn't it? Now. The great city, speaking of Jerusalem, was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give up, give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. So, I mean, the earth is going through some tremendous upheaval. Verse 21 and great hell Hail fell from heaven, from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. Wow, wow, wow. All right. So let's deal with eight keys to Revelation 16. All right. Um, number one, the angels begin to pour out the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. Number two, plagues include sores on the followers of the Antichrist, oceans, rivers, and springs being turned into blood, scorching heat, painful darkness upon the beast system, the greatest earthquake, and hail. These plagues are prefigured in the plagues of Moses and Aaron on Egypt and Pharaoh. Remember, Pharaoh hardened his heart until his nation was destroyed and he died. Pharaoh never repented, did he? He kept he kept wanting a break, but as soon as he got a break, he never he never repented, did he? He just kept hardening his heart. His advisors told him at one point, "Don't you realize that our whole nation is destroyed?" But he he just he couldn't get past his own skin, could he? Couldn't let it go. Yeah. All right. Um, look at number four. 
One of the plagues dries the river Euphrates, preparing the armies of the east to travel to Israel for the Battle of Armageddon. And that battle is talked about both here, but it's also talked about uh, particularly in the book of Ezekiel and some places in the Old Testament prophets as well. Number five, evil spirits coming from Satan and using the influence of the Antichrist and false prophet begin to assemble the armies for the epic battle. And we'll talk about that. We'll see some more of that in um, chapter 19 of Revelation. Number six, clearly not everyone follows the Antichrist during this period because Jesus encourages them to keep their garments and to keep watching for his return. So some people is just hold. <laughs> some people who aren't holding out now are going to ask, Lord, help me to hold out later. I'm just saying. <laughs> I hear James Cleveland saying, until my change come. All right. Number seven. Unfortunately, much of humanity is not moved to repentance because of the judgment of the plagues. Rather, they continue to blame and blaspheme God. Ever somebody in trouble because of the stuff that they did, and instead of getting right, they get mad at God for the stuff that they got themselves into, right? That's what the scripture says about humanity. Finally, finally, number eight, our final statement is God prepares for his final blow to the Babylonian system of the Antichrist. Well, praise the Lord. Man, we got through them four chapters. Y'all such a good class. All right, I guess in our next time, we'll go 17, 18, 19, and 20. We'll get another four. All right? It's only 22 chapters, so we are really coming down to the thing. But do you, real, do you see why it was important for us to build the kind of foundation we did before this so we had to understand, hey, it's all connected there are things that we can look back and see how these things play out um, as we look back and see forward um, that we can see into how the enemy is trying to do certain things, how there are, even though there are things in the future, there are things even in the age we live in because the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world that we have to stand against in our own day. Amen. Yeah, yeah, there is stuff that we have to resist. And we are, God's holding us accountable as much not to receive the spirit of the Antichrist as he's holding them accountable not to receive the mark of the Antichrist. Amen?